What's so good about Attack on Titan? This question I'm opening up with was asked by someone on YouTube in a thread about the series, and material from my written reply to them will actually constitute much of this episode. But there will be material that goes beyond the original comment, especially since there's certain stuff I mainly refrain from addressing, because if I risk bringing it up on a place like YouTube, I at least want it to be in a moderated, controlled environment where I can nip stuff in the bud as needed. Soundtracks, sound effects, camera work, action choreography, character development, storyline. Shoot, I think it's quicker to list a few things about it that I don't fancy. Hello listeners, and welcome to A Dash of Salt with AJ. I'm your host, Ahsoka Jackson, blogger, poet, proofreader, and podcaster. What is Attack on Titan? I think it can accurately be described as an animated, dystopian military drama with action, sci-fi, and horror elements to it. And what's so good about it? Oh, I've got a list. The soundtrack is amazing, both musically and in terms of the song lyrics, and both their inherent depth individually and how they connect with their sibling songs and the show's storyline. The acrobatic combat style is creative and beautiful to watch, a bit like trapeze work, a bit like aerial silks, and a large bit like Spider-Man, believe it or not. And it creates this contrast of beautiful action against very bloody violence. It gives me John Wick vibes that way. If John Wick is described as a bullet ballet, this is an aerial blade ballet. It's Cirque du Soleil with a whole lot of blood. The characters and their development are so well done and carry such a sense of depth and realism to them. Plus the voice acting from the Japanese cast is top freaking notch. Especially Kajiyuki's performance as the protagonist, Aaron Yeager. The storyline is a unique and fascinating one with twists, both story and character twists, that are insane and so unexpected, yet also well-developed, and that makes sense within the context of the established story world. The attention to detail shown throughout the series, the way they connected the different songs being one example, shows how much care and thought and intelligence went into the series, and the emotional impact of the entire experience is so powerful, both with the highs and the lows. There are genuine stakes, and you know you can't get complacent about any character's fate, and the victories are very very hard fault, so they feel like such a thrill and relief when they actually happen. I'd had reservations about watching the show myself, but the first two episodes blew me away and brought me to tears more than once. And so far, the consensus seems to be that, based on what's going on in the manga, season four, the final season of the anime, is going to be the best material yet. When a show's already this bloody magnificent, that means a heck of a lot. It's such an amazing show that when you ask about it, it's hard to think how to even explain it in brief. Although I think I managed decently here. By the way, as someone who's absolutely mad about the series, I still want to claim it's for everyone. So what are some caveats for this show? Well, the violence level is definitely at about the limit of what I can handle especially the handful of torture scenes in the series. Combat violence bothers me far less than torture. But I actually think the violence was well done in general, and that it mostly added to the story in a valuable way emotionally, 
rather than being sadistic gratuity like I've seen with other stuff. In fact, I really appreciate the way violence is handled here. I love action films, and I especially love things like martial arts, hand-to-hand -hand combat, and characters like spies and assassins. As you may know from checking my blog, John Wick is one of my absolute favorite film series. But there is an aspect you have to admit with different content, where violence is treated kind of lightly and used for entertainment and spectacle. And I think it's really important that you have a counterbalance to that. I think it's important to have and consume works like A Lonely Place to Die, where you're brought back to earth and reminded of how serious and tragic and horrific violence and death actually are. In addition to being exposed to graphic material at inappropriate ages, I also think the type of material can be another large part of the problem, and why I see this current phenomenon in society, and especially younger folks, of a frightening lack of empathy plus a warped view of reality. That's something I plan to discuss in the TSOK series. But with Attack on Titan, as with The Lonely Place to Die, violence and tragedy are taken quite seriously, and while you can appreciate the beautiful aesthetics of the combat, you're also put very much in touch with the tragic outcomes and the suffering of both victim and survivor. That said, it's still not suited for younger audiences. I'd recommend 15 as a minimum age for watching the show. I saw someone talk about letting their 7-year-old sibling watch it, and I can say that you might be able to find small snippets that are okay for them to watch, but that's a definite no for the overall show. A child that age needs to be watching Sesame Street, okay? Not this. The letter H is for hugs, not human trafficking. That's not a large part of the show, by the way, but it's an excellent example of adult content, and also stuff that they won't be able to properly appreciate at that age anyways. Let them enjoy their first viewings of the show when they're old enough to process and appreciate it, okay? Now, the other main iffy bit with the show is that there are a couple of characters with bent sexuality there, and the dynamic between them is highlighted. However, this is hard to explain without spoiling, but I can say... It was subtle enough that folks even questioned whether it really was what it looked like. Heck, even other characters were kind of puzzled. And both characters have real depth and have way bigger stuff going on alongside the crossed wires. Plus, they're handled far less obnoxiously than Hollywood tends to handle people like me. I'd say it doesn't have the same victim undertones and emotional manipulation. Plus, the other characters aren't doing the virtue signaling dance or falling all over themselves to offer ignorant, misguided, harmful praise and enthusiasm and the usual routine. In fact, other characters' reactions are subtle but refreshingly honest and not like they're under duress from the usual suspects. So if there had to be a storyline of that sort, I'm glad that at least the handling and scope followed that course. As far as parents go, I'll probably give the same answer I did for Fair Elaine's work. If your children are solidly grounded in the truth already, they should be fine. And if that hasn't been handled, then it needs to be discussed with them ahead of time or as they're watching it. And the content is mild enough and tolerable enough that I feel comfortable recommending the show to folks, even folks that normally give this type of material a wide berth. Was it ideal? No. Better than much of current Hollywood? I'd say so. They leave me feeling sick, exasperated, or infuriated, so definitely an improvement. Which brings me to something else. As far as overt sexual content and fan service, the show's refreshingly absent of that for the most part. I think that's actually symptomatic of a larger aspect of Attack on Titan. It's relative lack of various cliches that people sometimes find tiresome and they can give anime a bad rap. The closest thing to nudity in the show would be the Titans themselves, the enemy creatures. They're basically humanoid monsters and do not wear clothing. 
Their appearance may be jarring at first, but their bodies are essentially like those of mannequins or Barbie dolls. They don't have private parts, which the show itself even makes a specific note about, so there's nothing graphic like that. Between that and their grotesque appearance, this is one of those rare times I could actually say that I don't think this was done with either eye candy or weird shock value as its intent. And it makes sense in the context of the story, especially later revelations, so I'm actually fine with this. As far as regular fan service goes, the main thing I think of is one particular scene in season 3, I believe. I do think they were deliberately showing off how the character looked, but that kind of thing is not typical of the show as a whole. More emblematic of it instead is the fact that the audience hardly seemed to register the skin because of all the serious and emotional character and story drama happening during that scene. I've spent a good amount of time here making sure folks are informed of content that might give them pause. But make no mistake, this series is incredible, and I've spoken to folks at length about the various positives that I listed in the first part of the show. And while the show will not be to everyone's taste, and I also try to avoid overhyping things, it can still be considered a work of sheer excellence and probably brilliance, and I don't th throw that term around lightly either, on not only a subjective but also an objective level. Alright guys, thanks for hanging with me today, and I hope you had fun. I have an article or two about this series that I'll be posting on my website soon, and in the next few podcast episodes, I'll be sharing my thoughts about the Season 4 trailer. In the meantime, if you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to subscribe, and leave a like, share, or review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or whichever app you use to listen. Be blessed, and stay salty.